0: Howdy, folks. Today on Chase Wildly, I have my good friend, Joe Corey, who is quite an accomplished fella. He was a music and sound engineer in Los Angeles working with some of the best musicians of our time before moving up to Redding, California, where he worked with Merle Haggard until the end of Merle's life. He is a Pacific Crest Trail through hiker, which is how I came to know Joe, and a man that I respect in his accomplishments, his strength, and his perspective. He's got some great opinions, some great knowledge, and has spent some time of his life thinking about this question of what it means to be a man, what it means to live with meaning, and um, to hold and live by strong values. So, He's a good friend to have in this wild search for meaning. Let's go. Well, and then you realize that really
1: those things aren't your identity. It's all on the surface. Your identity is are you loyal, are you honest, are you truthful to yourself and others? What are your values? What are your ethics? Things that actually culminate to create humanity, the greatest parts about humanity, that's identity. Is this person trustworthy? To me, that's more identity than what kind of bike they ride or what shoes they wear or what they play. That stuff's cool. We all have preferences towards things, but that's not your identity.
0: Well, shit, here we are. Um, thanks for doing this, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. So today I've got my buddy, Joe Corey, um, that I'm going to be talking to. He is from the jammed up podcast. Uh, Joe and I met through God, uh, through his girlfriend through now wife, Anastasia ice queen, who I met on the PCT. And, um, he's had me on his podcast a couple times, which I've been super honored by uh, really interesting guy. I want to get into his journey, uh, sort of where his life has taken him and then the big question some of the topics we're thinking of talking about today are masculinity what it means to become a man um and we'll just see where this thing goes so yeah thanks again for coming. absolutely yeah i'm kind of nervous i've never been a guest on a podcast before <laughs> <laughs> it's a little scarier being on the other side i isn't think so it? yeah yeah you're like oh I'm- shit what am i gonna say about myself <laughs> Well, that's all right. Um, I'm nervous too. I've never been on this side of the podcast, so brothers in arms. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I gave you a little bit of background about what's what I find curious in this subject matter, you know. And um and I'll talk about that again and we'll just see where it leads. But um I know in my own life it's been this journey of trying to figure out what it means to be a man you know and i'm told all these things by my family my my brothers my dad uh society and then as you grow up as i grew up you find out that half that stuff's not really true um or it doesn't work for you and so it's been this this journey over the last decade um Sort of asking you know, what all that means to me, what's mm-hmm. important to me. Uh, and then in this broader context, we're in this world today where there are big questions about what, what it means to be a man or a woman, what it means to be a good man, especially around, you know, there's the Me Too movement and there's all these things that are saying that the patriarchy and masculinity is, there are aspects of it that are bad and right. we need to change them. yeah. And so that's another discussion to have is like, what can we do about that as men, as, as members of that group? Um, do we need to do anything? What do we need to inspect in our own lives? So those are the questions that pop up for me. And I think a nice way to work into this is first just to hear a bit about your story. Um, if you don't mind telling, in general terms, growing up in Reading getting into the music industry, coming back here. What is, how would you describe your life, your personal evolution?
2: Um,
1: It's been a long series of choices, uh, none of which I regret whatsoever. Um, But all those choices have created learning opportunities for me, you know? So leaving your hometown is a huge one, extremely important, going to LA and kind of being by myself and Trying to be an adult and looking back, there
0: I wasn't even close to being an adult, wasn't even close to being a man. How old were you then when you left? 21. You were 21, yeah. And what took you there originally? Music, yeah, getting out of town, uh
1: huh, trying to get into music and just go to a city where there's nightlife and you know, you don't run into your old friends and at the store, you don't know anybody, you're a new person, you can have a new identity. Um, so yeah, doing that for a while and just kind of. Trying to figure it out, trying to figure out who I was. And uh, I mean, I kind of laugh at who I thought I was mm-hmm. when I look back, you know.
0: Who did you think you were? And, you know, were you even conscious of this idea of like, who am I at that age, at 21? I
1: definitely was aware of it, but I think on a different level. So I can definitely look back on my life and I have these. Pinnacle moments at certain ages like I had this kind of big jolt of growth, Mm. you know, and moving to LA at 21 was one of those. And then 25, 26, 27, that was another big area for me where I matured a lot and I started questioning things. I started leaving parts of me in the past and growing past that and accepting change and being okay with changing, not being the same person I was, allowing my identity to dissolve uh in order to form a better you know a better version of myself yeah you know and not feeling insecure or fearful of like i don't know i feel like a lot of people they'll have values and it's hard for them like there's this fear of thinking they're going against themselves by letting go of past values Hmm. or questioning themselves and i was never really afraid of that so mm-hmm. there's all these moments in my life where, you know, 25, 26, 27, that was another big moment where I just started leaving parts of me in the past and expanding on the parts I liked about myself and growing some more. And then, you know, 30 was the same type of thing. And then
2: yeah.
1: uh, even right now, having another little little jump in uh, personal growth.
0: How old are you now? 34. You're 34. Yeah. So I want to go back, like, during this period of 25 to 27, what was something happening to help you, to push you to evolve? Or did it just feel natural at that age to start thinking about this? Um, I spent a lot of time reading, which is always
1: a great way Mm -hmm. of just kind of expanding your worldviews. And um, I would say that for the first time in my life, that was the age when pain was like, like personal or emotional pain was like an actual, it was an actuality. It was a reality in my life. Whereas when you're growing up, I mean, Everything was peaches and cream as a kid, you know? Yeah. I had great parents. I grew up in a great house. I got good grades. I went to a school. I never got in fights, I never got in trouble. Like everything was just perfect. So to me, I always thought the world was perfect. And then all of a sudden, you get older, you start to become an adult, and you realize people have fucking baggage. Yeah. You know? And people have drama. Right. And it starts to like kind of fuck with your head a little bit, I feel like, you know? Hell and you yeah. You start going, why is everybody so fucked
0: up? Yeah.
1: You know? And so I think. And and actually being aware that people were fucked up.
0: Well, and why am I so fucked up? Why am I I hurting? Why do I have
1: these urges that I don't want to feel this way, but Mm -hmm. I do feel this way? Why am I getting jealous? Mm -hmm. You know, like all these different feelings. And so I think that's the time when I was mature enough to actually realize that. Yeah. And actually feeling, you know, I think that was the time when I had my first little, the first experience of real anxiety.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and depression you know and I wouldn't say I'm a depressed person by any means everybody has down moments but that was the first like there was a moment in there where it was like dude I fucking feel hopeless yeah. I feel depressed this is what depression feels like you know and I'm thinking if this is what I feel like for a week mm-hmm. I mean what does it feel like when people out for months or years you know right. I mean you just feel hopeless you're in this dark pit and here I am in a city of you know several million people and i feel more alone there than anywhere else yeah you know an anxiety where you're like your heart's racing you don't even know why
0: yeah when
1: and then rational like rationally you're telling yourself i'm good i have yeah. a job i'm paying my bills everything should be fine but why do i feel this way mm. like
0: it doesn't add up yeah you know? and then you have to start asking big questions about your life 100 right so 100%. At this time in your life, you begin to read, you're getting perspective, and you start to feel pain, which I don't know for you, but there was a period of my life where I just numbed everything out, you know, from like, maybe even before 14 years old right? to this same period of time you're talking about, 25 to 27. Yeah. And that's when physical pains, emotional pains, I guess we could call them feelings, you right. know like started to creep in whether or not yeah. i wanted them to right and i had to start asking okay what the fuck is this yeah and what does it mean what is it trying to tell me about what i'm doing or how i'm thinking or how i'm living yeah is that similar 100 to your experience yeah. yeah i think it's just i don't know being self-aware and
1: mm-hmm. thinking about like why do i feel these things right now yeah you know why am i hanging out with these people that Like when you start really realizing like, man, these friends, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. they actually don't make me feel good about myself. Yeah. You know? And, and, uh, I think we talked about this before, but, uh, that was also a period of time when I finally started getting the courage to just cut people out. Like, you know what? Like we had our, our friendship, Mm -hmm. but that was then, and this is now, and I'm different and I'm changing and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And I shouldn't feel guilty for changing if it's growth. And, uh, just starting to cut people out and realize when someone's toxic mm-hmm. or it's just not meshing with who you are at that moment
0: well and how do you answer that question like how what gives you a rubric in life you talked about your values before like where did those come from for you and how did you start deciding like you know this isn't fitting me anymore and what were those things i mean was it people drinking was it certain types of partying or lifestyles what did you start to cut out um well, I'd
1: say with probably most of us started with a girl, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, girls bring a lot of fucked up emotions in your life as a young man, I think, mm-hmm. um, trying to reconcile those and understand them. And so that started, I, I wouldn't say the drinking was ever an issue. I mean, i like to drink some beer and back in my twenties, I drank a little harder than I do now, but <laughs> I wouldn't say I was ever like, had a problem. So I don't feel like that was ever an issue. Um, I think it was just more thinking about the way people made me feel. Hmm. And when I know, like, knowing that I should be doing something to be better, but feeling that pool of peer pressure yeah, to just, yeah, like, let's just go drink and party instead of, like, exercise or just little things like that, you know. I started seeing how people were toxic or how they would create drama, and I just wasn't aware of it before. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does.
0: I mean, what I what I sort of hear is, like, there was this shift, and I'm probably projecting because this is what I felt like I went through too, but there was a shift where you become aware, like, for the first time in years, perhaps, you become more aware of how you actually feel. Mm-hmm. You start listening to and valuing that more than you value how other people think of you yes so there was that major shift in my life and then and then you you begin to get the courage to like choose your own feeling over that peer pressure thing, right? And like making that choice time yeah. and time again with different friends, with different Im- people invite you out, and you're like, nah, that's just not really that doesn't vibe with and me. And also so I'm doing that,
1: and also reconciling or being okay with the fact that you know I'm going to be selfish because I feel better this way, and mm-hmm. it it's okay to be selfish in some regards, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one because that's such a loaded word, right? But 100% I think it's so has such important. a negative connotation.
1: It does, but I mean. I mean now I'm extremely selfish. Mm-hmm. I, I, my day, my daily routines is I carve out, you know, a couple hours out of each day. Some days I'm really busy and every once in a while it doesn't work out, but I try to carve out a couple hours every day to do something for myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No one else, it's for me. If I share that moment with other people, great, but it's for me, because I know that that's what keeps me happy.
0: Yeah, and what are those things? Uh, last
1: few years, jujitsu, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I just I make sure I go. Even when I don't wanna go. Even mm-hmm. when my body's sore, I don't feel like going. I'd rather just sit around and eat pizza and drink beer. Yeah. I make sure I go because I know that I won't regret it. And I know that if it's if I'm really tired and sore and I feel like it's gonna be a a bad class, you know, I'm gonna just have a hard time. It's like, well, what's the worst that's gonna happen? I'm I'm gonna suffer for an hour or two. I can I can survive that. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I could, I could suffer. I'm trying to get my, like, my, my goals at this point are like, I try to get a daily dose of suffering every day. Right. Just to know that I'm alive. And because it makes every, <laughs> it turns the noise down from everything else in your life. Sure. When you suffer a little bit.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and well, it, you, I mean, you're talking about suffering and I don't want to cut you off, but this is also, we call it suffering, but it's also a way that you're filling your cup. Like, this makes you feel whole in a way. It make, right. gives you the energy to come back to your wife and be a better husband right. and be a good dog owner and, you know, take care of your other shit. Oh, it's a way somehow. of shedding the
1: skin of all that drama and toxicity that builds up over mm. the days and over the weeks and the months and the years. Like, and if you don't manage that shit, it, it's going to come out with fury.
2: Yeah, you the, know, and it's gonna uh,
1: explode, and you're gonna not know which way's up. You're gonna be all fucked up. So that's, I mean, that's how I think about it in my head. Like when I do this, when I exercise, or when I do something for myself, when it's that's me of shedding the skin, managing all that shit. So there's no buildup. And I would, I can honestly say, the last you know five years has probably been. Like I said, you know, I don't consider myself a depressed person, but I, you know, I'd have moments. Of being down or just not feeling it sun's out shining at 70 degrees and I'm still just like, I just want to sit inside and pull the blinds down. Right. You know, I can honestly say the last five years I've, it's been the most even keel I've ever been in my life. And it's because I finally figured it out. I've always loved playing sports. Mm-hmm. I never understood as a kid that exercise was so good for your brain. i just shedding that bullshit, that skin, you know?
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: And so understanding that's been a big thing for me as well. And it doesn't have to be exercise. It could be writing or
0: well, whatever you know, playing, it practicing you.
1: guitar or whatever. Yeah. It could be anything. But you have to like put in the work and just carve out that time to do that and then do the things that your, your obligations, you know?
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that um, I really appreciate this idea that it's not even – I mean, I said fill in your cup, but it's almost like you're weighted down with a bunch of bullshit and, like, you can't move unless you do something to unload that shit. Yeah, You know, you can't, you're, you're covered with these rags or this armor or this other shit that maybe other people put on you or society put on you or just this general chaos of life put on you and you need some activity to shake that shit off yeah. so that you can shine so that you can be your best self, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, and for you that's jujitsu and you found that Yeah, right now. That's what it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you said like that that could be you know that could be writing or that could be something else, but I actually think there's a shortage of the physical aspect in this world today. And what I mean by that is like we're such sedentary humans mm-hmm. that I think maybe, everyone needs some sort of movement practice hundred percent right it, it's not good enough just for your outlet to be writing now i right. have found that in my own life like it's super good for me to write and yeah. i try to write every morning and that helps my mind and that helps my emotional state but if i only do that there's still something lacking in my life so there's i think there's something huge to that to using this meat suit you know using right. this physical form and and shifting the cells physically like yes. taking control of our physiology in that right. way. well there's something
1: about like intense exercise climbing a mountain jiu-jitsu you're trying to choke someone or they're trying to choke you going on a long run doing sprints um when you get to that point when the body is actually uncomfortable mm-hmm. i sit here and do a few push-ups and i'm fine it's not taking me any, any, to any dark places yeah. now if i try to crank out a hundred at once it's gonna hurt my my muscles gonna to start to shake, I'm gonna start to turn red. It's gonna be really tough. When you get to those places, when you get to that hard place in workouts, you know, going on a walk is not gonna do it. It's good for you, but it's not gonna do it because your brain is still allowed the freedom to kind of wander. But when you go to those those deep places of intense exercise, you are forced to have tunnel vision, you are forced to worry about what you're doing at the given moment. Everything else melts away. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the noise just bombarding you. You're focused on what you're doing at that, at that moment.
0: Well, yeah. The heavy
1: breathing yep. um, and survival. I mean, you're literally surviving. You're trying to manage the breathing. You're, you're listening to your heart rate. You're listening to your, your footsteps as you're running up a trail. The, it forces you to have tunnel vision, which is great. Right. And I think that a lot of people... When you're just sitting here in a room and you do that every day watching TV, your brain can just do whatever it wants. And you're not managing all that shit and all that stimulus that's coming in.
2: Yeah.
0: And
1: I think that, I mean, that's what I get out of it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's brilliant, man. And it's even, I mean, with a lot of the things you're talking about, jujitsu or push-ups or getting to that hard place, it is tunnel vision, right? And sometimes there you're greeted with like a single voice of doubt and you have this choice in that moment to like listen to it or to push through. yeah. And I think those are beautiful (laughs) moments. I think in everyday life when there's so much noise and there's so many voices in our heads and so many voices outside, we can't zero in on like one or the other. And when you find yourself in, in physical combat or working out to that edge, oftentimes that choice becomes so much clearer so, so much more clear yes. in that moment of like, okay, this is my moment of power. I can do five more
2: yeah.
0: or I can keep rolling with this guy yeah. or I can tap.
2: yeah.
0: And, and to create that clarity in your life, to get to those moments where everything else is melted away yeah. and it's just you and it's just your body it's you it's in just nature. your breath and you in nature and you realize in that moment what matters. It's me and this choice of yeah. what I do next yeah not in five steps not in 20 steps but the next move i make
2: yeah exactly
0: with all my cells with all my will whatever that is yeah yeah i mean nothing
1: else matters your boss being an asshole and uh your girlfriend's mad at you for not doing the dishes and uh just whatever bullshit happens in our lives Mm -hmm. none of that matters Mm -hmm. and you start to realize like we put it when we're bored and when we're comfortable, we put a lot of emphasis on shit that doesn't matter, and it's always good to have these daily reminders like, "Oh yeah, just just relax, you know the guy cut me off on the freeway, and I'm get, getting all aggro and pissed off, and I'm speeding up behind and riding his ass now because he cut me off. Yeah. That dude didn't cut me off on purpose. He didn't do that to me. I happened to be the guy driving. There could have been anybody. Yeah. why am I worried <laughs> Why am I letting that bother me? you know like little things like that. You realize, like, it doesn't matter. Right. None of this shit matters. Mm-hmm. Someone's being rude to you. You know, I told you about that lady who got mad because the, the checker at the grocery store didn't put in a yeah. club card quick enough. Yeah. She freaked out. It's like, you know, what's really going on behind the surface? What's really going on in that lady's life? It's not the club card. It's not the checker. It's not the, not the club card. It's not the club card that really got to her. There's something else going on that she's not managing, and it's manifesting itself. It's and it's having these outbursts in ways that are just
0: ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of people go through that and they don't realize it. Right. And it has nothing to do with you when you're on the receiving end or you're no. a bystander. Yeah. or You're getting cut off in traffic. Yeah, that's a tough lesson to learn. I mean, there's a period in our lives, I think I think as kids, right, we're, we're pretty self-centered. And I think in a good way. And I think, like we literally think as children, that the entire world revolves around us. Right. Right. That's our perception of reality. And then as we get older, we have to somehow realize. And I think that's a survival mechanism. Like we have to figure out how what we do impact, like cause and consequence of life. Like if someone does something, what do we need to do to survive? Right. And if we do something what do we need? You know, what happens around us? Right. Um, and then as we get older, we begin to realize that like there's this bigger mass of shit going on that literally has nothing to do with us. Yes. You know, so we come from this place that's super self-centered and it's of value to think that like everything is personal, you know, and then at a certain point you get older and it doesn't serve you at all to think that everything is personal and in fact, nothing is personal. No. And
1: if you do think that still, it hurts you yeah. in the long
0: run. it begins to hurt you. Yeah. Yeah, man. It,
1: yeah, it's wild. I think that you know, when I entered in my 30s is the first time I really considered mortality. And that was huge. How did that happen? Like, like what made that shift? I don't know. I have no idea. Because 30 is old as fuck? It is. You start getting <laughs> gray hairs, you know? I don't know. I don't know what, your balls what it did but it was like I knees. think it was is the realization, like you know, growing up, you know everybody dies, but you don't believe that you're gonna die because you can't imagine being 70 or 80 or being 25 and getting in a car wreck or you, or falling off, you know, a ladder while you're putting Christmas lights up and breaking your neck. Like you can't imagine those things happening to you, so you know that it happens. Yeah. But when you're a kid, even in your 20s, you're so naive, you still think could to happen to me I got my whole life ahead of me and yeah. then you get in your 30s and you realize like okay I could be halfway through this thing I could be halfway through half my life is it could be over maybe less maybe mm-hmm. more yeah but it could be halfway through and that's because I mean 60s like if you live to 60 that's a full that's a full life mm-hmm. still you know I forget what the average life expectancy is now it's a high 70s but 60s still a full life Right. You've done a lot of shit at that point. The other side of it is, you're no longer physically growing in your 30s. You, you've peaked, mm-hmm. especially like with athletics. You've peaked. Now you're on this slow downhill. It's the slow decline of age, and you start to see these these things. You start getting little wrinkles, of the crow's feet, you know, and like you start finding a couple gray hairs. Like, oh fuck! Like, age is starting to happen. I didn't have that a couple years ago. Yeah. And I think that's probably played a role. Um,
0: And just your relationship with mortality. Yeah, well, just seeing things that way. Yeah, well, just in respecting it. Yeah, it's like, you know, um, it's just crazy, man. Yeah. Have you had other? I mean, I think this this beginning to think about death and having a new relationship with death is an important aspect of maturing. As well, I wonder if you've had specific experiences with death that you'd be able to share. Like, did people in your family begin to pass away, or did you see <clears throat> death in a new life light that um, that changed it for you? I've lost three grandparents, um, mm-hmm. uh,
1: and those were hard. But I was younger. My grandmother passed away four years ago, so I was older, and I was able to understand that in a different way.
0: Um, well, that was right around 30 for you. Yeah, too. exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: Uh, when my grandpa passed away, I was 16. Actually, both my grandpas passed away when I was 16. The first, or the first one, it was this quick decline of cancer, and you just watched him rot away. And that was really hard emotionally, but I almost wish it would have happened when I was more mature. I think I would have understood it a little better and appreciated the time a little mm-hmm. bit more. You know, I didn't know how to process that. Um, But I wouldn't say that that's what kind of made me think about it. I think it was more just maturing a little bit and Mm -hmm. trying to change and constantly trying to grow as a person. And then just seeing the signs like, oh, shit, I'm starting to age. Yeah. You know, and understand like, okay, how old old was I when my dad was my age? Mm -hmm. Oh, shit, I was six and my dad was 30, you know? And here I am at the time I was thirty and going, fuck. I mean, when I think back at my dad at that age, like he was a full-on grown man. I still feel like I'm, kind of like I'm playful and I want to go have fun. I feel like a kid still. I feel like I'm seventeen. I want to skateboard.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I was, you know, I think about that a lot. Like, what was what was my dad doing at the ages that I am now? Yeah. And you start realizing, like, oh shit. Like, I mean, fuck. I'm almost halfway to forty. I'm almost to
0: forty. You know. Yeah crazy to think about 40 was an old man when you're 20 well exactly well when you make this comparison like you think of your father when you were younger right you're looking up to him and he was what 38 and you were eight years old and or whatever that gap is and you saw him as a as a grown-ass man i mean what are the distinction for you in your mind between how you feel now and what being a grown ass man means, I mean, well, I realized like at the time you put your parents on a
1: pedestal when they're in their thirties, you think they're, they got it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky. I have some, I have fucking great parents, man. Like honest and open minded. And they always allowed me to like make my own choices when it came to like worldviews and values and stuff like that. As long as I was a good person.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so I was given a blank slate in that sense. Not, I wasn't ever force fed anything, right. which I appreciate a hundred percent. Um, but when you're a kid, you think, man, they got it figured out. And then you enter into your 30s around that age, you think about what they were doing. You go, fuck, I don't even have it figured out now. There's no way my parents did. Yeah. But you, there's no way to understand that when you're a kid. Yeah. You know. So that I don't know. That's been something I've thought about a lot too. It's like they don't have it figured out. And then you start to get this age, and your parents, you know, they start getting their 50s and 60s, and you start having a different relation relationship with them as an adult. And you, you can actually see, like, even at their age, they still don't have it figured out. Right. And yeah. then that's, like, I don't know, that's, like, crazy to think about. It's like they're, they're getting to the end of their life, and they still don't have it figured out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's a huge thing to accept because we're never going to have it figured out. No. And the game is always changing around us. And, you know... The sooner you can accept that in life, the more, you know, peaceful your own life can be, Right. you know, the more chill you can be with yourself because yeah. you don't have all that pressure of like, well, shit, I got to figure it out. You just wake up and realize, well, shit, yeah. today I got to do the best I can because right. the game could be totally different today. Exactly. <laughs> um, but at the same time I say that, like, maybe this is always the perspective of the next generation. I feel like our parents had this real clear, whether or not it was right or wrong, a real clear, compared to us, a real clear rubric about what it meant to be an adult. I I know, at least from my parents, they had a real black and white vision of that. Right. Like adults have these bank accounts and adults, you know. Like Act this way. This is what it means to be polite. And this is what it means to be a gentleman or a lady or a a husband. And I think it almost feels like, to me, a lot of that's melted away. I mean, I look around at my friends today who are 30, and like you were saying about playing, like most of them are still playing. Yeah. Like even as they're having kids and like they don't represent anything like what my dad told us dad should be. Yeah.
1: All that shit's on the surface. None of that matters. You know, that having multiple bank accounts and three cars and a big house and that's all fine and dandy if that's what you want, but that doesn't make you an adult.
2: Yeah.
1: It doesn't make you a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, you can still uh, like, yeah, I have a bunch of friends. None of them have kids still and they're still playing. They're still acting like they're 17. At the same time, they're also extremely mature, and I would consider them men and women, 100%. Mm-hmm. They're mature about the world values and their views and things like that and how they treat people. And to me, that's more important. That's, that's below the surface mm-hmm. of what it, you know, fuck social status, right. all that. That stuff doesn't matter. And I think that's a, it's a facade that the old generation was raised to think that that's how you've carved out your place in the world by, you know, making a lot of money and having a good retirement and having a big house and a bunch of kids and the white picket fence. And like like I said, I'm not knocking it. That's cool. But that, that's not, that doesn't mean anything on personal growth whatsoever. Yeah. I don't think that in my opinion.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you. I think the question then for me is like, well, what does, like when you say they're mature, you know, what are those values? What are those things that that indicates to us that they're becoming more responsible or better leaders in our communities, you know, as adults and not just big kids or kids in suits? For me, in my personal experience, I would
1: say honesty with myself mm-hmm. and self-awareness. Just being aware of where I'm at in the world, how I act, how I treat people, what I'm doing for myself and what I'm doing for others, mm-hmm. being aware of it, every action I make and analyzing it and wondering why I did something a certain way or why I said something a certain way, or just being self-aware, yeah. you know, trying to be a good person and it's hard. I mean, sometimes you're grumpy and you might say something that's a little bit rude and you don't realize it, and then all of a sudden you catch, you're like, "Fuck, I shouldn't have done that." Right. So when you know and that's all part of it when you're self-aware and you realize that and you can have those honest conversations with yourself I think that's how you mature and grow up a little bit Mm -hmm. you know and there's a lot of people that don't they can't be in their own heads they can't have those conversations with themselves and I think that's kind of sad right because I'm the only version I, I, I will only be the only one to ever exist to know what it's like to be me and same for you and that's fucking heavy that is heavy. That is fucking heavy, man. That's heavy. Like, and once you're okay with that, it, it's like, okay, this is what it's like to be me. The lens of like what my thoughts are. Mm-hmm. This is what it what it's like to be me. How do I how to contribute to society and to other people and and be okay with who I am and understanding that? It's like being jo- self
0: aware. Yeah, Joe. You know? That's fucking glorious. I think I think that's one of the biggest moments in life is to realize that no one in this entire world will ever understand your experience that there is there are so many things like there's the flip to this coin right which is there are so many things that are universal there are so many things that connect us there's so many things that make us the same and then to recognize that there's this depth of world inside you that is totally unique to you, that no one will ever touch or see, and that there's a genius in there. So you have to make friends with that, the mm-hmm. dark and the light of all that shit inside of you that, that only you can experience and no one else. And you also have to realize that there's a gift there to share and to contribute with the world. right? Um, and if you don't go there, you'll never find the gift, right? If you don't look that shit in the face and go to that crazy fucked up world that's your own head and your own mind and your own heart and that shit, you'll never find those gems to share that are just for you. Right. That can only come from your fucked up world inside. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I love how you said that because it's not like... It's just realizing how, because I've am i been a perfectionist my whole life, right? Like I've been after this pursuit of like trying to be perfect. And that's always, like, that's not an internal thing. Like that comes from external, like someone told me at one point what it means to be perfect. And I've been chasing that or some feeling like that, you know, of acceptance or of love or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you said was like, trying to be a good person and then you follow that up with this understanding of self-awareness and so those things go hand in hand like you have to just be evaluating yourself and looking inside yourself and that becomes the only barometer that's totally unique to you the only thing that matters Mm -hmm. and living integrity with yourself that then makes you like this powerful beautiful human being yeah Makes you an adult. Yes. When you begin to have that relationship with yourself. And when you're
1: okay with your flaws. Yes. And you're willing to improve on them. You might never fix them, but if you're aware of them and you're okay with that, it's like, well, we all have flaws. There's no one perfect. Yeah. Just, it's never going to happen. Everybody's got something weird about them. Mm -hmm. The way they act, little tics, things that, you know, I mean, everybody has their vices, their things. Yeah. And being okay with that and knowing how to manage that and, and knowing when you're getting out of hand you know Mm -hmm. it's like you can i don't know i think i think that's uh you know for me like just understanding that like being okay like okay i have my flaws and there's certain things i need to like start to check or curb but i'm aware of it and it's gonna be a long slow process right but being aware of it is the first step towards fixing that and
0: growing past it i think yeah yeah and there's a distinction right because like Flaws don't mean that other people don't like what you're doing. It means that you don't like what you're doing. Yeah. And that requires that same relationship with yourself. Yeah. Um, And that's a hard one to think about. Because if I think about my upbringing, like there's so much pressure to fit in when you're young. Because on the playground, you know, if you're the weird kid, you're going to get singled out. You're going to get fucked with. You're going to get, like, there's so much incentive not to be unique Yeah. as a kid these days. And so many, I don't know about these days, but when we were growing up, I feel like that was the case.
2: Yeah. I
0: mean, we had, I don't know if you played games like in the 80s, you know, you could say this, we'd play Smear the Queer. Oh, yeah. Did you play that game? Oh, yeah. Where it was like, you'd throw the ball up and like, the bully would throw it to like the weird kid. Yeah. You know, and then everyone would just tackle him. Yeah. You know, and you just hoped like they didn't think you were the weird kid that day. Right. You know, and so I think there's this built in fear that like prevents us from going there inside ourselves and being like, okay, what what are all those things that make me weird? Yeah. And how do I accept that and love that and make that cool? Yeah. Um, Because I think that's part of the work we have to do, too. For sure um well and and when your friends
1: or the people that say they're your friends don't accept that weirdness of you oh dude fuck them man (laughs) cut ties it's time to move on you know you can't your best friend in kindergarten it's i mean i think it's more rare to stay best friends with your kindergarten best friend throughout your entire life than it is to not and you have to be okay with cutting those ties even with family members i mean sometimes like we don't get to choose our family And sometimes, if someone is an asshole in your family, like they shouldn't get a free pass, right? To be that way, you know. Mm -hmm. At least I don't think so. Fuck that, man. Like, if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. I, I, we get to choose our friends, the people that accept us for who we are, Mm -hmm. and I think that's extremely important. And I think that you need to, I mean, constantly just like cut the fat away of toxic people. Yep. You know, and once you understand your weirdness, and you understand that your friends accept your weirdness man, it's a great place to be.
0: Yeah, so you got to get to that point of self-acceptance and then you have to consistently trim the fat, yes. like get rid of the toxic people in your life. Yeah. And how do you do with that without becoming... <clears throat> like, I want to be able to do that without becoming overly judgmental of them or not compassionate because they're doing the best they can. Like, I, I feel like those people, they're not toxic because they're evil. They're not toxic because, you know, they... Because I'm better than them, but it's just not working for me. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and the hard part with it is you're afraid of offending people. That's, you don't want to offend people. Because then, (laughs) if, you know, in all these moments of like my personal growth when I was going through a change, you can tell when your friends and other people around you go through it at different times in their lives. The same thing. You're like, man, I was there four years ago or I was there 10 years ago and they're just hitting it. Or they went through it before me. I didn't realize it. You know, it's not that they're toxic, but if they're in a different mindset, if they're in a 22 year old mindset and you're in a 28 year old mindset and you're going through a change, like you said, it's just, it's just not adding up mm-hmm.
0: different places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just got to be able to move on. Does that just look like, I mean, people are sitting out there, right, in their lives and they're feeling stuck and they're doing the same shit and they want to be somewhere else, but they're just stuck in the same place with the same people and it's been five years or ten years and they've been in this loop and they feel like they cannot get out of this loop. How do you, if we know from our life experience that one of these keys is cutting this fat is trimming people out of your life who are, who are keeping you at that level or want to keep you at that level unconsciously. What does that look like in specific action? I mean, we're just saying no to those people more often. I think it's, when
1: you're aware of what you need to do to take yourself to the next step, you need to do things for yourself. And what I mean is when you start doing things for yourself, let's say you have a group of friends and all you guys do is drink and play poker and smoke weed on the weekends. And eventually you start realizing, like, okay, this is fun. I had a good time, the last four years doing this, but I need to get my shit together. Like, what do I gotta do? Fuck, I haven't exercised. I'm overweight, I'm 30 pounds overweight. I gotta start exercising. So you start running, you start going to the gym. And then you start going to the gym, like, okay, now it's my routine. I go to the gym at seven o'clock at night. Well, that's poker time. Your friends start to resent you. They start to give you shit. What's wrong with you? You start. You're changing. It's like just skip the gym. Come play poker. What's What's going on? You're like, dude. I've There's no hard feelings, but this is something I have to do at this point. This is where I'm at. And I think that you don't need to necessarily tell people like, you know what, we're done. We had a good run. Adios. But I think that you need to do things for yourself, and that naturally will weed the people aren't if they're not in the same place you are in your life. It'll weed them out. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how it happens at least that's how it's happened for me you know like when i did the pct i had a big group of friends in la and
2: just it was just
1: toxic it was toxic you know um drama and bullshit and when i left to go do the pct i got to step outside of that box and finally see things for how they how they were and i was so far removed that yes they were all checking in on me for the first few weeks and after a month after two months of being on trail making new friends being in the woods and like you know, pushing myself and learning about who I was, slowly they were still stuck in their routines and I had moved on and I would stopped getting the calls. How's it going? How's your trip? It slowly weeded them out. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I was finding a new, I was carving out a new area of my life that they weren't involved in. So it wasn't that I said, fuck all you guys, I'm done. I just just moved on with my life and I wasn't going to feel bad that they weren't coming with me. Yeah, I wasn't going to feel guilty That I'm leaving something behind. I'm doing this for me. I'm being selfish, you know? And I think that's how you got to do it. Like, you know, when people get stuck, they're so
0: afraid they're going to offend people. It's like, no, man, you got to do you first. Yeah. Well, and they're afraid they're going to lose. They don't know what's on the other side of that, right? Like, okay, I know who I am today, but if I start making these changes, I don't know who I'm going to become. Right. And I think that's terrifying too. Yeah. And who will be my friends if I lose these friends? Right. But I think that's beautiful because, yeah, if you looked at your schedule today and you're like, okay, this is what my week usually looks like. And on Thursday nights, I play poker. And on Friday nights, it's, you know, two for ones at the at the brewery. And that's what I've been doing for the last five years. And you say you want to be a writer or a podcaster or, you know, work out more, like literally just cross out poker night and start putting in the things that, that matter more to you. Yeah. And... And then you don't have to say no to people, like you said. You don't have to go to your friends and be like, hey, we can't be friends anymore because you're toxic for me. Right. That's not the way to do it at all. Yeah. The way to do it is to say, just start making those choices and then see who falls away yeah, naturally. Exactly. And see and people start calling you, and some will be trying to pull you backwards, and it'll be clear, right? They'll be calling you and and being like bro what's what's wrong with you man yeah make you why feel are you, guilty why are you being a pussy why aren't you coming to, why aren't you drinking yeah you know whatever and then there will be other people who start to call you or who you meet in this new activity and they'll be pulling you another way exactly. they'll be calling you inviting you to more shit that you yeah. want to do or supporting your new idea exactly you know so as soon as you start making that decision i think is what you felt like you went on the pct and it Pretty clearly happened that certain people just disappeared, and new people came in that exactly. sort of pulled you toward that other yeah, you, vibration. I mean, you end up
1: you put yourself in a situation where you're going to find more people that are in that same situation in their lives. Yeah, you know, and that's that's good. It's, but you, at some point you just have to not give a fuck what anybody thinks. <laughs> you know, if you offend someone because you're starting to run five days a week instead of going to hang out and drink beer. Yeah. smoke weed fuck off it's like i don't give a fuck if you feel if you're offended that i want to run it's like this is good for me yeah you know if you're offended that i'm gonna go shoot a heroin and yeah. you're mad about that like that's a little bit different but i'm it's because i'm taking a few steps backwards you know but, right um right and that's the hard part and i think that now it's like i don't give a shit mm. if someone's offended that if i'm if i'm doing something for myself you know yeah like, for a while there, I, you know, I was getting... No, I wouldn't say I was getting shit, but people would say, like, you know, certain friends would be like, dude, what, you want to get some beers tonight? No, I'm going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Going to go train jujitsu. They're like, you train all the time. I know. It's what I have to do. It's what I have to do. I don't get to do it. I don't choose to do it. I did I choose must to do it. Do this. But now I have to do it because I realize what it does for me. hmm You yeah. know? And I just started saying, no. No, I can't. I can't. I got this. Like, mm. I already... I already part or carved out in my head for that day that at these times, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. That's if yeah. you're offended, then that's fine. And, and and I don't feel bad. I don't give a shit. You know, right. I'm not, I didn't do anything to you. It's in your own head. If you're offended.
0: Yeah. Now that's, I mean, as long as I've known you, that's a mindset I've really admired about you, you know, uh, that you have a quality that you have, Joe, that's not, there's no lack of compassion, but there's also no fucks given, Yeah, you know, about not about or for other people, but about how they feel about your choices. Um, and you can tell me if that's inaccurate, but that's what I heard you say here again. And I'm wondering if you have a sense of where that came from for you, because that's some shit that I've struggled with a lot until really recently and i still there's certain relationships in my life like the women that i choose to be with the partners right. i have the lovers i have where fuck it, the, what they think about me still carries a shitload of weight and i sp- right. really struggle with that so like do you see some like some way that you were brought up or some certain experiences or choices that you made in certain moments that have led you to to realize that you don't need to give a fuck I think it's probably a combination of several things.
1: I think it started with my childhood. Like I said, my parents allowed me the the right as a kid to make my own choices on what I thought, you know. As long as I wasn't an asshole, I, as long as I wasn't a bully, yeah. As long as I you know, wasn't a bigot, I didn't hate people for stupid reasons, you know. You could it's a, I, I actually feel it's okay to dislike people. I don't like everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know everybody doesn't like me and that's okay because we're all different, but to hate someone or to be racist, to be a bigot, well, you're not being truthful to yourself about what the real issue is, you know? So I think, just as a kid, my parents allow me to make choices like that and teaching me the values behind it, but never force feed anything. I think that's, that probably played a role. The other thing is, you know, finding like personal struggle. You know, doing the PCT was probably a big one where it's like, fuck man that was so scary to go leave a career leave a career and put all my shit in storage and leave a life that I had built for six years or whatever in LA and just see you guys I'm leaving I'm gonna go walk in the woods for six for six months and everybody just wondering like what are you fucking crazy and then you hear that people think you're crazy they think you're dumb like you're giving up a career and you start listening to those voices and you go fuck man maybe I am crazy am I losing it Am I losing my shit? And then you get out there, and you're out there for a week or two, and you're like, oh, this is the best decision I've ever made in my life. I can now see things clearly. And then realizing, like, the trail is not easy by any means. I had a lot of hard days. A lot of days where I had my head down. I didn't get to enjoy the sunset or see the flowers or the views because I was bumming out for whatever reason. Wrestling your demons. But guess what? (laughs) It forces you to keep pursuing what you're doing because – I'm not just going to lay down and die. I'm in the woods, you know? Mm -hmm. And you start realizing, you start getting to that hard place. You start realizing like, oh shit, I survived that. What else can I do? What else am I capable of? So you keep pushing the envelope a little bit. And I think that those moments as well, kind of, I know what I'm capable of. And I know that I can push through things and I can overcome that voice in my head telling me that I can't do it. And I think that is probably a big role in where I just stopped giving a fuck what people thought. You know, I just don't care. And that's not always true. I mean, I I find those thoughts coming to my head and then I have to like check and be like, oh, you're being stupid. Mm -hmm. You're being dumb. Just, I don't give a shit what people think, you know? As long as they're good people, that's all I care about. As long as I'm a decent human being as well, you know? Um, And I think it's those moments where you you realize that, at least
2: for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you took this leap of faith you hiked the pct making that taking that leap showed you two things right it showed you that first maybe you were insecure because everyone around you who said they were your friends is questioning your decision yeah and then you're totally validated by how you end up feeling out there and realize that it's the best thing for you and so In that moment, you've practiced like looking at a bunch of people who you value and having them tell you not to do something, and you like deciding anyway to do it. It's like you gotta you gotta practice it almost in the same way, right? You have to practice going to a bunch of people and having them tell you you're fucking crazy, and then doing the shit anyway, just to realize do it. got to find out for myself. I got to find out for myself. And I think the PCT is a great example because like you said, the first thing you overcome, the first thing you overcame out there, one of them was this approval of others. And then the other things in those days when you're bummed out, right? The other things that you're overcoming are your self-doubts, you know, so you get out there and like people disappear and their voices disappear. And then you're, you have shitty days where your body doesn't want to work. You're questioning why you're even out there anymore. Mm-hmm. The weather's shitty, whatever it is. And then you're confronted with yourself. And every day is like a different type of practice. Yeah. Of like keep going. Yep. Keep going. Find a way to keep going.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that sums up life because <laughs> life's just going to happen, dude. The, yeah. all the bad shit's going to happen. You got to learn how to deal with it. And if you avoid it, it's going to kick you in the nuts.
0: Well, dude. And that's a beautiful thing about being in nature that I think you and I both value. Cause I hiked the PCT as well and had a super similar experience. Why left all this comfort and security. So we've got these parallels and then you get out there and this helps you not take things personally also, because you can't take nature personally. You can't take it personally when, you you know, the trail's fucking hard and steep and rocky and your feet are getting cut up or blisters. You can't take that shit personally. You can't take it personally when there's a thunderstorm or lightning storm. Nature
1: doesn't give a fuck what you're feeling that day. It doesn't
0: give a fuck. So why do we, Why do we? when someone, some random asshole does something, why do we treat that any differently than a fucking lightning storm exactly. or a thunderstorm? Right. In most respects, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We just say, well, that's their issue. Like, yeah. I have a choice to to move away from this lightning storm. Right. Or hunker down in my own spot for a while. Yeah. Or, like, if you just looked at it like a fucking lightning storm coming in out on the trail, like, you wouldn't get all angry at at God or, yeah. you know, the clouds. Right. You'd just be like, okay, well, what are my options? Right. How do I take care of myself in this How moment? do I adapt? How do I adapt? To this situation. What can I do? Yeah.
1: And yeah, nature doesn't give a fuck what you're feeling or if you're depressed, you're anxious. It doesn't yeah. give a shit. So why should I give a fuck what other people think about me? Or why should they give a fuck what I what I do? You know? It shouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's you got to do things for yourself first, I think. Yeah. You can't you can't appreciate people and their flaws and their weirdness until you appreciate yourself and you're comfortable with it. Yep. You know, I feel like you got to be truthful with yourself before you can really understand people
0: and just be okay with who they are. Hmm. Yeah. So you're saying, like, in that process of seeing yourself and accepting yourself, that's the only time you can you can become understanding of other people. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean,
1: yeah. I I mean, I would I would say that's probably pretty true, pretty accurate. You know, I mean. I'm sure we've all known those people that are just like overly positive. Yeah. Like so positive, so optimistic. And on the surface, you're like, man, I wish I was more like that. Why can't more people just be this optimistic? And then when things get hard, those people crumble to the ground, you know? Because it's, it's they're putting things out there for the world so they, they can be a certain person for everybody else, but they're not taking care of themselves first. Yeah. So they crumble when shit gets hard. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure everybody knows someone like that. I always thought about that because I know people that were just so optimistic and you thought it was great and they were so selfless. But when you're so selfless, you're not doing the work for yourself. You're not being selfish Mm -hmm. to do the work for yourself to grow as well. And so I think that there's a a balance there where you have to be selfish. You have to understand yourself. You have to be okay with yourself before you can truly understand other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, being selfish and... Taking care of yourself is not the same thing as like being shitty to other people right and sitting on the couch eating bonbons all day. Right. Like there's still it it's about doing the hard work of looking at yourself. Right. And loving what's there. Yeah. Not creating some pretty picture that everyone else likes. Yeah. Right? It's looking at the shit and accepting it and working on it and and welcoming discomfort all these things that we've been talking about and practicing struggle and all that shit mm-hmm. that's what selfish means yes it's like that focus on what growth do i need to feel whole yeah accomplished something maybe not even accomplished that's wanted well, to be wrong.
1: there for other people around me as well yeah you know yeah yeah because i mean you can be like a support system for someone who's going through a hard time if you're comfortable with yourself you, i think that's better for everybody else as well mm-hmm. and vice versa mm-hmm. you know when someone's comfortable with their own skin that's the person you want around you when shit gets hard to talk to to bounce ideas off of mm-hmm. you know cuz you're, you're everything's stripped down there's no alternative motive there's no lying it's it's just all truth mm-hmm. and honesty and i think that's how you cut through uh, you know fake friendships and fake relationships like I think it's how you cut through and you just, you get what you get. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of all this. I mean, fuck, it's hard to understand it all,
0: but. It is right. We're just exploring it as we live each day. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I want to go back a little bit to the PCT because I think I don't see, I look back in history and I see all these cultures that had rites of passages and shit like that, that, that were literally designed through generations of tradition and some spirituality or religion to evolve people. And I think for me in my life, the PCT is the only experience that, that parallels some sort of vision quest or spirit walk or rite of passage. Um, And I want to know how you feel about that. like, if that, if that's the same for you, I mean, did you feel there was some, I mean, like metaphorically, it was this, this movement from one version of yourself to another in your life? Yeah, definitely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I definitely see it as like a rite of passage. I mean, I can look back on my through hike and see who I was in the beginning, who I was at the end. And, I mean, I changed a lot. I mm-hmm. changed a lot. I matured a lot. Yeah. I got different ideas about things. But the funny part is, I mean, for a long time, the PCT was like my greatest accomplishment. I was so proud of it. I still am proud of it. But now, you know, having done it several years ago and looking at it now, the person I was when I ended versus who I am right now is completely different even then. You know, there's been all this stuff in between since completing that where I've grown even more. And that's been, you know, a different rite of passage in a way. You know, mm-hmm. jiu-jitsu does the same thing. Mm. You know, it, it forces you to go to this tough place where you have to question who you are. Do you just give up and never come back because your back hurts? Yeah. You know, because you, you're sore? Or can you overcome that and just and push through it? And the PCT forces you to do that as well.
2: Yeah.
1: It forces you to... Uh, it forces you It trains yourself to be comfortable being uncomfortable
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think that is I don't know I don't know how to explain it but that's been important for me is like knowing being comfortable being uncomfortable hmm and not letting it like consume me where I focus on it getting past that still doing in the work um, And I agree, like, yeah, there's a lot of cultures that do these rites of passage, and we definitely don't have that as a culture. So it's upon
0: individuals to do it for themselves. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. So so people have to design their own... They have to create opportunity for their own evolution in life. Yeah. Right? So whether that means... So one thing seems consistent about what we're talking about, like discomfort with discomfort. That's important. You have to learn that you're not going to die when people don't like what you do or don't approve of it yeah. you have to learn that you're not going to die when you get tired or thirsty or your joints hurt you know you can keep going you have to learn you have to create some opportunity to crush any limiting belief about who you are like, and what you're capable of. I know for me, the PCT was this moment of like, oh shit, like I could do anything. Yeah. Because you go from, my world was so small, not just because you grow up with such a limited perspective. And so until you do something in your life that breaks you out of that limited perspective you you literally don't see other opportunities. You don't see yourself as capable of being different types of people or doing different things right. or having different careers or whatever it is. And so for me, it's like you also have to design something to shatter those limiting beliefs about who you are and what you're capable of.
1: Yeah, and I think if, if you don't have an experience like that, like a rite of passage, people... They're searching for that so they identify their identity becomes their jobs and who they hang out with and that becomes their identity and I used to do that too. my jobs before doing the PCT and ever realizing like oh that's not who I am it's just what I do to make money and pay bills but so I mean we know so many people that you know I mean they are their job that's their identity yeah. and for me like I said I used to identify with like, my identity was my job. That's who I thought I was. I do this. You know, I'm an audio engineer. Yeah. I'm part of this little group. I'm an audio engineer. And then I did the, a through hike, and I realized, like, wow, this connection with all these people, some are doctors, some are baristas, some mm-hmm. are veterinarians, mm-hmm. some are fucking work at Home Depot, yeah. some grow pot. Like, they all do different shit. But there's this commonality, and I... F- Felt like that's was part of the time when I, I started to allow my identity to dissolve mm. and not hold on to things, thinking that I need to show who I am mm-hmm. as a person. So everybody's aware of like what I do and who I am.
0: Like, fuck that. Yeah. fuck you know? that, like yeah. that.
1: I allowed my identity to dissolve and you can start to like go, Oh, here's this ball of Play-Doh and that's my identity and I can shape it in any direction I want. I'm not stuck. Yeah, you know, and I think for me, that was a big one of the PCT. Like I can be whoever I want, I can do whatever yeah. I want and Hell I can change yeah. it. I might be this person for two years and then go, yeah, eh, scrap that. Let's, let's go be someone else now. Mm-hmm. And that's cool.
0: Yeah. And that's not in any inauthentic way, man. That's just like learning. Yeah. I mean, you're not some weird chameleon. You're just recognizing that your ego or your identity, whatever you had attached to is totally malleable. And you don't have to defend it. You know, you don't walk around in every interaction being like, I have to defend this identity. I'm an audio engineer, so we yeah. got to prove how cool that is to people or yeah. whatever. Instead of saying like, this is who I am, you start to ask the question in different interactions like, well, who am I? Yeah. You know, and then you can do experiences like that and be, and be curious about who you are or who you want to become or what you want to try in your life. Right. And it totally shifts the way that you you could approach every interaction, right? Because you're not all of a sudden you're not insecure about losing who you are, the identity you've decided is important right. to you. And then it also, I mean, I think it's just a more fun way to live because then you can every now and then make choices like is this identity working for me? Yeah. Are these things that I'm attaching to still feeling in integrity with myself right on
1: it's all on the surface your identity is are you loyal are you honest are you truthful to yourself and others uh what are your values mm-hmm. what are your ethics the things that actually culminate to create humanity the greatest parts about humanity that's identity Values. is this person trustworthy mm-hmm. to me that's more identity than what kind of bike they ride Right. Or what shoes they like or what sport they play mm-hmm. or what their favorite acoustic guitar is. You know, like that stuff's cool. People have preference and that's cool. We all have things. We have, pr- we have preferences towards things, but that's not your identity. Mm-hmm. But s- growing up when you're young, people identify the things that they like to do, you know, the right. things that that they're into. Yeah. And I think understanding that that's not it was important.
0: Yeah. I think that you have a remarkable set of values, and you've talked about your family, and I'm sure that's that's a place that you got some of those. Um, and you live in this pretty awesome community and grew up in Reading, which I think is pretty instilled in it, has some pretty great values. Um, but can you talk, or does anyone come to mind when you think of mentors that you've had in life? I mean you've worked with some pretty remarkable people. I mean, you did sound engineering for Merle Hager for mm-hmm. years. And, um, but I don't know who has been important to you and who has been a model of, of good values in your life. Um, if you would point to anyone.
1: He actually is one of them, believe it or not. Um, I learned a lot from that guy, not about music. I learned a lot about music too, but you know, I started working work for him when I was 30 and he was 77, I think, 76. So here's this old man, old frail man, hunched over. He could still sing, but he's raspy, and he's you know, smoking joints, and still doing what he loved to do. And I'm able to sit down and have a sandwich with him, and have a conversation with him, and he treats me like his peer. And I'm a 30-year-old kid. I'm still not even a man yet. I'm a kid becoming a man, but I'm like, you know, even even then, like at 30 versus right now, I feel more of a man now than I did at 30, you know. But being able to share, like, you know, just uh, age wasn't an issue. He didn't treat me like a kid. Treat me like a peer. We got to have conversations and learn things from each other. And I think a big thing that uh, he said, and I don't know if it was a lesson, but it just made me think, and it was, it always stuck with me, was... Um, he told me one day, uh, you know, Joe, you're at the age when all your friends are getting married and having kids. Yeah? He goes, I'm at the age where every time the phone rings, I think it's another friend who's probably died. And they just start, like, he's, he, that's the time of his life. So if you run from the difficult things in your life, when you finally get to that age where you're living, you're at the age now where all your peers... Most likely, it's all negative shit at this point. Death and disease and all these things. If you haven't learned how to deal with that stuff early on, you're going to have a hard fucking time, you know? So he said this to me, and that's always just stuck with me. Like, it's like, well, holy shit, okay. Like, he's at the point where every time the phone rings, someone else probably died up here. He knew for 30, 40, 50 years. And I I guess, like I said, I don't know if there was a lesson in that, but it it just resonated somehow towards like, okay, like, dude, we get one fucking shot at this thing. You get one chance. We are a combination of events and chemicals that created you and me and everybody else. And it's like, man, I mean, purely luck, Mm -hmm. purely happenstance. So you get one chance. Might as well make the most of it. And is there a reason why we get to exist? I don't know. I have no fucking clue.
2: Mm-hmm. Would I like to oh, know? Yeah.
1: If the, if there's a reason or not, uh, my hunch says there's probably no reason. I don't know. I think that as humans, we like to create reasons because it gives us uh, purpose in our lives. Yeah. But also at the same time, like, what if there is no reason why we're here, and what if we're just saying fuck it, like, let's just have fun and and enjoy it because. I mean, think about all the combinations of all the other people that could have existed, and didn't.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: like I don't know. Just enjoy it and take, you know, make the most out of it. And uh, I don't know. I I don't even know
0: what your question was at this point, but well, just about mentors and maybe the values you learned from them. And what I heard with Merle was, you know, this. Here you had someone who. You know, if anyone listening knows anything about Merle Haggard, he had a pretty f- remarkable life, crazy I mean, life story, crazy life story. You could say more about it, but um, amazing musician, uh, and and here he is at seventy eight, and treating everyone, even some young sound engineer, thirty year old, you know, yeah, like a human being, exactly with with the utmost respect like they're there if you are here with me then that's a value right you know and then also what he's giving to you is this perspective about the phases in our lives you know like every single day something is ending even at our age right now Mm -hmm. and yet we resist that so much And we create so much suffering around that, and we turn away from it and we run away from it. And there will come an age when there's no turning and no running, and every phone call we get is another friend we will never see again.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I guess the lesson in that is just, you know, make the most of it. Yeah. While you're at it, don't get jaded.
0: Don't get jaded. (laughs) Don't
1: get jaded, and just be aware, like, This is finite. None of us are making out alive. Mm -hmm. None of us. So you might as well make the most of it. Like, don't leave room for regrets. You know, there's something you're interested in, but you're too fucking scared. Mm -hmm. Just go. Who cares? What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. Just go. Because you don't want to wake up, you know, you don't want to be in your deathbed 40 years from now, 30 years from now, and go, fuck, I should have just done that. Yeah. You know, and that's part of the PCT was like, I was so scared to do it. Mm-hmm. but I told myself like, if I don't try I'll regret this for the rest of my life if at least if I try and I hate it and it's as bad as I think it's going to be
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't have to do it no one's forcing me right. but if I don't try I'll never know and I will regret that forever so that's uh, kind of been my motto mm-hmm. for everything it's like just, just try it it might not be for me I don't know right. but it also might be for me and it might be this awesome addition to my life that I had no idea
2: Mm -hmm.
0: was gonna take place yeah so it's not it's not easy to silence all those voices that are telling you the world will end if you change your life but yeah (laughs) but just fucking try it because the reality is those are just tiny little voices yeah that like to worry and that's fine let them worry go try the shit and see for yourself
1: what's the worst gonna happen yeah nothing
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: it took me three years to walk into a jiu-jitsu gym three years right I had every excuse in the book every excuse of why I couldn't go I had a friend that was going he'd asked me to go and I had every excuse oh I can't go I gotta do this just kept making excuses and uh, this goes back to your question on mentors I had an older um, Japanese guy he was a engineer down in LA and he used to let me go in his room he actually taught me how to roll a really nice freehand joint Um, (laughs) so that was valuable Uh, and he'd let you know educating me on good beer Instead of just being a redneck and drinking Coors Light. Yeah, craftsmanship. Exactly. But when I was young and dumb and I thought I knew everything, I was insecure. I had no idea. I was insecure about what I didn't know. And when I was confronted with things where I didn't know something, I'd get embarrassed. And he called me out on it. Just straightforward, just called me out on it. And he said, man, excuses only make you feel better. And I don't know why, but that little phrase, it's been probably 12 or 10 years, something like that, since that was told me for the first time. That little phrase, like maybe almost daily, I think about that phrase, Mm -hmm. and what that actually means. And you start thinking about the anatomy of an excuse of why you failed, or why something didn't work out in your favor, or why you gotta work a little harder. We all make excuses, and when you make excuses, it really only makes you feel better. You're trying to justify or rationalize why you didn't do something. Mm-hmm. And so and I still make excuses, but now every time I make an excuse, that's the next thought immediately. I go, "Oh quit being a bitch.
0: Just right. <laughs> I'm just rationalizing this bullshit to myself.
1: Yeah, yeah just I'm, I'm trying to make up a reason why it's okay that I didn't try hard enough. I should have tried harder, yeah. and I didn't you know, excuses only make you feel better. And that was an important lesson that I learned.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. That one will stick with me too. Yeah, right. It's yeah. just,
1: it's, I mean, it's heavy, dude.
0: Yeah. It's
1: heavy. But I mean, I, I tell myself that all the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the time. Just,
0: just go excuses try. Excuses only make you feel better. Yeah. So I made excuses yeah.
1: for three years not to go to
0: a Jitsu gym. I've never done mm-hmm. a martial art in my life. And that was keeping you from what is today one of the best things you have in your life at this point
1: um from the outside it looks like a bunch of guys wrestling Hmm. and trying to hurt each other that's what it looks like it is so much more than that so much and i i had this inkling that it was which is why i was interested but i've never wrestled i didn't wrestle in high school i never did a martial art never did karate never did anything i did traditional sports baseball basketball stuff like that and for some reason i had this urge to want to try it i just i felt like there was something deeper there and i kept making excuses and finally the thought of when i did the pct like if i don't try it i'll regret it just go and if it's as bad as i think it's going to be i'll quit but i got to dedicate a month so i spent the money i bought I walked in first day said month membership i'm going to do 1 month it's going to suck i i'm i'm in my head i'm building up that it's going to suck so i'm like okay i'm going to force through 1 month of just embrace the suck you know Mm -hmm. five years later here i am and i'm it's i'm like more obsessed with it than anything you know i'm wearing these goofy pajama suits and i got a colored belt and i've had these promotions like here i am a 30 year old man and when i get a promotion i get a little piece of tape on my belt or a new belt color dude i'm ecstatic i'm a 34 year old man and i'm excited about a colored belt like yeah. on the service that sounds fucking ridiculous no
0: I see your cheese and smile but, like
1: Instagram post it's fuck, beautiful man. It's, but at the same time it's, it's these benchmarks of progress and then it, it, it forces you to look back in the past and go where was I when I walked in I didn't know my asshole from my elbow when it came to that now it's like I've been going five years and I'm getting good I can I mean I would I've learned a lot about myself it's forced me it's, it's one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life You know, in some ways, in other ways, I feel like it's more important than the PCT was for me. It's expanded upon that Mm. because it's not the activity you're doing. It's still, it's the structure at which it's forcing you to, to grow, you know? So I can do the PCT and the CDT and the AT, and I can do all these through hikes and I will continue to grow. I can do jujitsu and get my black belt and that's forced me to grow. Or I can, um, rock climb and start try to climb, you know, get up to the point where I can climb 514s or lead mm-hmm. a huge wall or do a, you know, do one of the big walls, do El Cap or something like that and spend a week up there trying to do that. Like you're working towards something. All, it doesn't matter what the activity is. all those things force you to grow because you're, t- you're taking yourself out of your comfort zone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know where I was going with that, but...
0: Well, what's that difference between... The PCT and jujitsu. I mean, is the longevity of the process is sort of accepting like <clears throat> this, this longer path towards mastery? Um, I probably could be a doctor before I could get my black belt.
1: Right. I mean, that kind of tells you how... I mean, it's just such a deep game and there's so much to learn and it forces you to... Here's the thing. With the PCT, you're always making progress. So you're always going from point A to point B and you see that progress. You get to, you know what mile you're on Mm -hmm. for jujitsu. For me, I don't feel the progress until I look back at who I was X amount of years ago or whatever belt or, you know, any given day, but you don't notice the progress because you're still being forced to be comfortable, being uncomfortable and being comfortable failing. You're going to fail more often. You're just failing and failing and failing and failing and failing and it never ends. You just fail all day, every day.
2: Yeah.
1: And failure is fucking hard to deal with. When you fail at a job, you fail at anything else. It's hard to deal with. But I go to jiu-jitsu and I do a two-hour class. I'm going to fail. I'm getting tapped out by a 15-year-old because he has better technique. I'm mm-hmm. I mean, bigger, stronger, faster, but he has better technique and he taps me out. Yeah, I could run away and block that in my head and bury it and never tell anybody. Mm-hmm. Or I go, holy shit, this works. I want to be able to do that like what's going on here there's something here there's something to it you know yeah so you just fail and eventually like you start to see these little bits of progress so in that sense I think it's harder because you're not getting instant gratification
0: no that's gorgeous man and the failure is more severe and more exposed. I mean, you're with other people; they're seeing you fail. Yes. You're not being given a cookie every day like the PCT right. of the mileage that you completed. Yeah. And and like you said, you're get when you fail, you're getting choked out. Like I don't know. That's it's as primal a, as you get. It's as primal as you get. And I don't know, like as a man, like if it's just a man thing or a human thing, but you're almost overcoming like something that that we think of as boys is like there's nothing more embarrassing than getting your ass whooped right you're like getting beat up right and and you probably go in there in the first couple of weeks you're getting beat up by a 16 year old girl The like, first
1: couple of years
0: <laughs> yeah dude i'm not yeah. kidding and not that that should mean anything it shouldn't mean anything no. so you're getting these these enormous humbling lessons yeah every day so the impact of the learning is bigger and stronger and and more brutal in a lot of senses. Yeah. So that toughening mental toughening is, right. is more significant. When it
1: came down to the same thing where it's like, okay, like I remember the first time there was this girl, she was 15 at the time and I had just started maybe six months in. She had been trained for nine years, 15 years old. And I was told to go with her and I went and in a minute she armbarred me, mm-hmm. you know, and I tapped immediately and I, I don't, I didn't respect her. I didn't try that hard. I was thinking, oh, she's a teenager. I'm going to go easy, and it's because I didn't know what jujitsu was still, mm-hmm. you know. And so the second minute, like she taps me out, so I get up. so I ramped it up a little again. Went up from fifty percent to about seventy percent, seventy five. Mm-hmm. Same thing took my arm, and then I'm going about ninety percent, hundred percent. I'm going hard. She keeps taking that same arm. She armbar me six times in six minutes. And by the end, I was going as hard as I could, and there was not a thing I can do. It was like a cat playing with a mouse,
2: mm.
1: and I could have made made excuses, you know. Yeah, but I didn't. It's like okay, well, there's obviously something she knows that I don't know. Right. There's something there. There's something that I need to learn that I don't. You're understand. not sitting
0: there saying, "Well, life is unfair." Or she
1: cheated. Yeah. Or, you know, you're like... Or she's bigger than me. She's 5'7 and right. pounds. You have pounds, none of that. And I'm 5'6, 140 pounds. All like, you can say in that moment that.
0: is I have something to learn. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's something here that I'm not aware of. So I, like, I got to do this to, to grow. And it's not about learning how to choke someone out. It's much more than that. It's not about choking people out. It's about understanding your personal progress and seeing like i've never choked this person and all of a sudden after three years i've actually tapped that person like i learned something i've i've grinded for so long of being uncomfortable and finally like it's paying off you're seeing these moments of progress
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's why i don't know, that's why i'm just so addicted to it it just it, it comes so slowly and mm-hmm. it's just this long
0: slog Well, and that's, I think that's another benefit too. I mean, for me, the PCT was the first time in my life where, you know, 140 days, essentially, you are committed to one single thing. And that's a gift of focus, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a gift of of sort of longevity and commitment to a purpose. But with something like that, when you're committed to a mastery or a craft that you're going to put in, years to decades to and and continue to grow that's more equivalent to the journey we're on in life right which is that there is no end to the practice there is no end to the learning there is no end and the failures right and for that i think it's maybe a more powerful metaphor because it's not something where you get to the end no. You don't reach the mile marker, and you're like, you put your arms up, and people take pictures of you, and you get a medal. It's like, all right, here's a sticker on your belt. The, now, the go, end, now go roll with these guys.
1: The concept of end and completion is a human facade. It's made up. There is no end. You never make it for anything, ever. I don't care if you get your dream job. You never made it. There's always something to learn. There's always something to improve on, you know? Um, I don't think anybody ever knows everything or ever finally goes, well, I did everything I want to do and I know everything that I've ever wanted to know. Yeah.
0: You, you never make it. And you need those practices to remind you that, to reinforce that belief, right. to know that.
1: Yeah. And that's the one thing, like the PCT was great, but at the same time, yeah, there's, there is an endpoint. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, I just completed that. And that feels good. But that is one... 2,650 miles is one little bit of progress in the course of your whole life that doesn't define who I am mm-hmm. you know yeah I th- I did a through hike but I'm not a through hiker
0: when well, you can't and you can't let it no, just the same can't. way you can't let you, can't. you know any award that you have or six years in this industry or that or the job title that yeah. you work ten years to get like that's still just this tiny little blip it's a blip it doesn't and if you give it if you give it celebrate it awesome Pop the champagne, have fun with your friends. Yeah. That's what life's about also. But if you let that identify you, you're going to yeah. be in for a world of pain. And later. I did.
1: I let yeah. the PCT as completing a thru-hike identify me. I did. That's too. who I am. And I did it for uh-huh. a long time. Now it's like, dude, I'm proud of it. I mean, I, mean I, I still look back and I go, fuck, I can't believe I did that. Like, that's mm-hmm. so fucking awesome. I'm so stoked on it. You know, I'm so stoked I have so many friends that have done it too. Yeah. It's not easy. But it, I don't consider myself a thru-hiker, mm-hmm. you know? I don't consider myself anything. I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to figure shit out, keep working, treat, keep progressing. Um. And I would love to do another one, but you know, people start to identify too much, like with you know, with trail names mm-hmm. when they go on the trail. It becomes their identity, and like yeah. I have a trail name, and it's cool. I mean, I don't even call you Chase. I call right. you Cowboy. Yeah, buddy. That's your identity to me. Hell yeah, I like you know? that. but it might not be your identity to yourself, Mm -hmm. but you accept it, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think, um, well, I think that's, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about that. I don't know how long we want to go, but, uh, uh, before we wrap it up, you know, and we can go another couple hours if you want, but I really want to talk. I'm glad you brought up trail names because I think this is crucial because (laughs) there's an opportunity there, you know, like, Trail names don't have to mean everything, but there's a power in them. For example, like Native American tribes would give people in their tribes like three or four names, maybe even more, throughout their life. And oftentimes the tradition would be to give someone a name that they could grow into, like to give them a name to reach for in their life. And then there's an added power because everyone in this community is calling you that name, you know? So for you to call me cowboy is, in a lot of senses, it's a gift. You know, it can also be a trap. It can be a trap for me, right? But it's an allowance. It was allowance for me on the trail to say, I don't have to be Chase, I don't have to be all the other things I identified with that. Yeah. I can be this other thing. I can be strong, silent cowboy. I can decide what that fucking means. Right. And all the people around me are calling me cowboy. Yeah. And that, you know, so it can be this amazing empowerment, right? Because all of a sudden, you're allowing yourself to have this new identity. You're striving for something better that's that's the person you're aspiring to be. Mm -hmm. And you have the support of everyone around you. Everyone who speaks that new name to you is is expecting you to be, at least in your own mind, that new version of yourself. Right. You know, so I think that's I mean I and I think that was the power of it in those traditional, like those native traditions, you know, was to to shift the expectation of the entire tribe you don't say like you're stuck in boyhead we're going to call you Joey Jojo for the rest <laughs> of your life you know yeah. you say no you reach a certain age we're going to call you Joe yeah and then maybe we're going to call you Chief Joseph yeah and then maybe you know and yeah. like as you move through life the expectations of you change for yourself with a name right. and the expectations of everyone around you changes with a name yeah so I think there's a huge power to that in our lives. I'm not saying everyone should go out there and change their names, but you can use these things to trick yourself. 100%. Right?
1: 100%. Yeah. But it's also a trap too if you let it
0: Hell that yeah. be the
1: new you. It's you, like you can be that person for a little while, but you still got to be honest with who you really are, and your mm. name is not who you are.
0: Right. You know? Yeah.
1: But it does allow you, it Does that moment, it does force you to like, oh, shit, I'm in control of this thing yeah I'm in control of who I really am right and who I am right now is called cowboy Mm -hmm. by these people that's right you know and that like you said that could change and you have to be open to that
0: change Mm -hmm. yeah you can't feel trapped by it you can't feel too defined by it you can't hold on to it too much because at some point that's going to keep you from growing in another direction as well if you hold on to it too much yeah yeah now there's a lot of um
1: guys I know that through hiked and they've done multiple trails and they keep their trail names. I think if I, or when I do another one, um, I going to let something else come up. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. Like, who am I going to be this time?
0: I think that's good. Cause
1: I'm not the same person I was when I did the PCT. Oh, hell no. I'm going to be someone completely different. Yeah. You know, my identity is completely different. Who I think I am, what I've learned, mm-hmm. the way I appreciate doing a through hike might be different mm-hmm. at a different age. So I, if someone comes up with a new identity for me, a new name, like I might accept it. might do something different. I'm not going to try to be the old version of myself. Right. Yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Nice brother. Well, um, you know, the general theme of this is, is masculinity and, um, or masculinity and femininity, you know, this dichotomy and, and evolving as a human being and um, is there anything else that you think about these days or have been inspired by that that you want to talk about? The fuck, you? Uh, I can go forever. Um, <laughs> I mean, when we brought this topic up, you said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. I have. So I wanted to you yeah, know, just open um, it up to to anything. I would say, like...
1: An important lesson that I learned when I'm trying something new and I'm failing is, is, I mean, again, for lack of a better example, the PCT. Hmm. When you start the PCT, if you think, when you start, you're not a thru-hiker yet, you haven't thru-hiked. When you start at the Mexican border and you think, I'm walking to Canada and that's your goal the entire time, Hmm. you're probably not going to make it. But when you think, I'm going to start at the Mexican border, and in six miles there's water, and in two days there's a town, and three miles after that there's a campsite. And you're breaking up this huge goal that takes so long to achieve, which seems nearly impossible, and you're breaking it up into smaller goals. And these smaller goals, it, it's a constant – you're constantly reaching these goals, these easily attainable goals. And so you're creating positive reinforcement in your mind. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're going, oh, fuck, I'm 1,200 miles in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All those water stops that I was trying to get to, I made it to. Every single one of them. Yeah, Every one of them I made it to. Every night I got to, every single night when the sun set, I had a place to put my tent. I made it to a spot to put my tent. So you're creating these small goals and now you look back and you're like, well, I'm 1,200 miles in. Oh, I just walked across California. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit, I'm in Washington. Oh, shit, I went from Mexico to Canada across another country. It's incredible. If I would have thought from the beginning, I'm, I'm walking from Mexico, Canada. That's a tall order, man. I will mm-hmm. never make it. And I think that that is true with anything. You have to, you know, if you're trying to be a doctor, you can't think about, I'm going to be a doctor. I mean, you are, but you can't focus on that. You have to think about, this semester I have these classes and I have to do these.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: next semester you do that. So you have to break it up. Yeah. And I think that's true with any sort of... um you know, exercise goal, you know, jiu is the same way. I'm not thinking about being a black belt. I am, but right now I don't care. Right now I'm trying to be a better purple belt. Right. You know, and it's yeah. same thing. Like, I'm not trying to be an old man. I'm trying to be a better 34-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then in a couple of months I try to be a good, a better 35-year-old than I was a 34-year-old. You know, it's these small goals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Small little goals. You're not going to, dude, you got to lose 150 pounds. You're never going to make it. But if you lose this week, I'm going to lose two pounds. Cool. You just did it. That's a small goal. Nothing to like go crazy about, but it is positive and it is a move. You're moving the needle in the right direction. And then after four weeks, you've just lost eight pounds. Mm -hmm. That's eight pounds that you probably would have gained if you weren't thinking about the small goal. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then in a year, if you just keep on that path in a year, shit, you've lost like 40 or 50 pounds. Yeah. oh, fuck, 150 pounds might not be so hard because now I know I know the trick. I know how to trick my mind and it keep moving towards this this greater thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's been an important lesson for me, and that's how I think about a lot of things I'm trying to accomplish. You know, when I used to run all the time, I didn't go out and run 20 miles.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: went out and went for a run, and I started feeling, you know, my hips hurt and my lower back's hurting. I'm like, fuck, I want to go home, like... Yeah, two miles is good enough, or three miles is good enough. And I would, you'd hear that voice. It's good enough. Yeah, that's a good workout. Yeah. And then I go, wait a minute. No, I can do more. Can I get to that tree 100 yards away? Yeah. Oh, I can get there. Mm -hmm. I can deal with the pain a little bit longer. Get to that tree. You go, can I get to that road sign up there? Oh, I can get to that road sign. So you just, you know, I did that when I ran. I just make these small goals and I just reach them. And pretty soon it's like, fuck, I just did a 13 mile run. And I was in pain since mile one, but I still did that. That's fucking crazy. Right. If I listened to that pain and thought about doing 13 miles, I never would have made it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one thing that a lot of people get wrong
2: mm.
1: is they try too hard to do these big goals without breaking it down. Yeah. You know, one day at a time. That's where that comes from. I think.
0: Beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> really. I mean, uh, yeah, you can have a grand intention, but it's the small, everyday goals. It's focusing. It's choosing a focus of the next step. Yep. The next step, the next tiny gain you can make that's going to lead to something great, to a great life. Yep. Yeah. 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 Beautiful outlook, brother. Uh, anything else? No. no. I don't think so. Awesome, man. Um, well, it's been a pleasure talking with you. You know, I uh, you you've accomplished a lot in your life. You know, you've had this this beautiful sound recording, music recording career with some awesome people like Merle Haggard. You've hiked the PCT. You've created a beautiful home here in Reading. You have got an awesome podcast going at the John the Jammed Up Podcast, um, and you can find that at jammed underscore up underscore podcast online if you want um but the thing that i admire most about you is your outlook on life joe and the fact that you live with such integrity and uh humility amongst it all you know and you find ways to keep yourself humble and you find ways you value growth and you continue to grow man so that's why I value you as a friend, brother. and Fucking A. Why well, I love talking to you. <laughs> Hell yeah, thanks. Uh, all right. It feels well, thank- good to
1: be the first one on here. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> Podcast number one in the books, bitches.
1: I love it. Thanks, <laughs> dude. Appreciate it.
0: I just had the absolute honor of talking with my buddy, Joe Corey. If you like this, please go follow him at Joe underscore Corey on Instagram, or listen to his podcast, which is absolutely hilarious and insightful about all things outdoor sports. That's called The Jammed Up Podcast, at jammed underscore up underscore podcast on Instagram or all the socials. If you enjoyed this, please rate and review it on uh, on all the things, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. Really, it doesn't matter to me, uh, but only rate and review it if you think it's awesome. And I understand at this point, that's probably hard. Uh, So I'd also like to say thank you for your patience as you witness this process, as you witness this journey. Uh, One thing I want to expose people to also is the imperfection of this. So as fine, as rich, as perfect as I'm going to try to make this for anyone who has the guts and the time to listen... I also want this to be an invitation for you also to endeavor, to endeavor into something without it needing to be perfect. And may this be an inspiration to you, a permission to you, to not be perfect in the first step or the first month or the first year, but to strive each day for something a little bit better, to try to not just sit and think about that thing you want to do, but to do it. And lastly, Go out there and love somebody. Have a great day. I hope you enjoy this. Talk to you soon. Peace.